Hey everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Today with me, I have a dear friend of mine, Michelle Jersberry. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Jen. How about yourself? Good, 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 good. So, um, I, you know, I'm really excited about this this podcast, and and you know, we've wanted to do, to do this for a while. And for those that are listening, um, hold on because this is a firecracker in all kinds of ways. <laughs> Michelle is such a firecracker in all kinds of ways. Um, but let me just introduce you to her real quickly. Michelle Jewsbury is an international philanthropist, speaker, author, and coach. In 2016, Michelle focused her efforts on ending domestic violence. And we're going to talk about her story here. Her desire to help victims of de- uh, domestic abuse came from her personal experience in a relationship in July 2017. And so as a result, she has founded Unsilenced Voices, which is a 5013C nonprofit that she travels all over the world. We're going to find out all about this to encourage victims to break away from, we'll call it the chains, right? The chains that keep you there because my father was an alcoholic. I understand, understand what goes on there, right? Um, And she also um, prepared her personal memoir called, But I Love Him. And I love the name of that. I have to always slow down when I say that. She offers digital courses and private coaching programs to help people overcome challenges to create an even more personal and professional success. So welcome to the show, Michelle. I'm so happy to finally have you here. And I can't wait to actually hear your deep, deep, deep story. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've read it. I've, I've read your book. As soon as you gave it to me, I read it. But there's something about you telling your story. And not on a stage. So I'm so excited about this. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Not on a stage. It's interesting when you say that because it is different, right? It's, it is. You try to keep yourself a little above it. So you're not emotional and, you know, and sometimes you get there, but you know, it's all, it's all good. So, so let's talk from the very beginning. I actually want to talk before that, because I know you were in a relationship um, with someone who was abusive, but before we say, you know, tell us about that relationship, I want to talk about you before that, the Michelle before all of that. And, you know, because we now know as a result of this domestic violence, you have created unsilenced voices, but I don't know you way before. So okay. tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and all of that good stuff. Great. Okay. So I hope you have 25 minutes. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was born uh, in North Idaho to two loving parents. My mom and my dad were the love story of the town. Uh, when my dad died, my mom shortly passed after that. Yeah. And people came up to me and said, you know, your parents were the true love story. Right. And um, so I've, I've always grown up with that, knowing that I, I wanted that type of a fairy tale mm-hmm. romance per se. Well, um, growing up, my daddy was military, so moved around my whole life, and um, we relied on family. You know, we, as my brother and I, and my mom and my dad, a tight knit little family, and moving around, I would make friends and remake friends and have to make new ones and remake new ones and leave them. I moved a lot during my, my childhood years, um, but I, I always wanted to excel. So I was varsity cheerleader, National Honor Society, did really well in school, hated school, but did really well in school. And um, I, I knew that I wanted something more, right? So when I was about 16 years old, I fell in love with theater and I fell in love with acting, just the craft. Mm-hmm. 
acting. And in, in school, I, I played different roles in different theater presentations and um, different theatrical pieces. And I, uh, I even, I, I never share this. I even went uh, with my high school to, what was it? It was, it was a solo, uh, like a monologue competition where I did really well. And I was like, I want to be an actress. So <laughs> I went to, I went to college for one year in Idaho and I was like, screw this. I'm moving to Hollywood. And that's what I did. I packed yeah. up my car and, and moved to Hollywood at 19 <laughs> years old and, you know, stars in my eyes and the glitz and the glam. And, and I loved it. You know, things were right. going really, really well. Um, starring in independent plays and doing everything that I I felt that I needed to do. I thought I was on, on my way to stardom. And yeah, before uh, I jump into what happened after meeting somebody, you know, I had other relationships that were really great. I, I ended up um, experimenting a lot when I first moved to Hollywood and experimenting in drugs and alcohol. And I ended up moving away and then coming back and and then that's when I met somebody. So I actually, I actually found God uh, lying on my back high in cocaine in 2010 and decided that I needed to go back to Hollywood to um, just pursue my dream again and get myself clean and uh, sober. And that's, that's what I did. So I found God. I became clean and sober. Um, I mean, I still like to drink wine. I mean, Jen and I have partied multiple times together. <laughs> yeah. but, nothing crazy like that anymore yeah yeah and uh so I moved back to Hollywood and um you know I, I started going to a really great church called Mosaic and then I ended up meeting this guy this blonde-haired blue-eyed boy I had met him years prior at an Amway function and uh he pursued me he started to court me and uh tell me how beautiful I was talented I was send me flowers and gifts and and all of these things, all these nice, pretty things that uh, attract people to yes. narcissists. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell for him. I fell for him head over heels. And then the isolation began. He you know, wanted me to move away from LA and I ended up moving uh, closer to you know, the, the coast with him. And, and uh, I left my congregation and about four months into our relationship, uh, my head went through the wall. So I, um, so I, say that again, cause I know you're talking fast. Yeah. What happened after four months? My head went through the drywall. Hmm. So, uh, a lot of people ask me why you stay after that. And it's the yeah. emotional manipulation beforehand. And yeah. Jen, I know you have a lot of story as well with, uh, with your dad and things that happened in your childhood. And, you know, my parents were amazing as far as their love story, and they were the best parents that they could possibly be. But of course, that there was, you know, a little small thing of neglect that happened in my life where I internalized all that, made it really huge. So then when somebody showed me the love and the care that I so yeah. badly desired, I jumped right on it. Right. So the emotional manipulation that began to happen, I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. You know, when, when I was pushed so hard against the drywall that my head literally went through the wall, I literally stepped forward and looked behind me and just thought that I needed to patch the hole. I didn't, I didn't think I needed to run. Away, wow. You know? and, Whereas Paul was like, I'm so sorry, I won't do that again. The apology stage. Of and course. that's what keeps me trapped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I ended up staying with him for four years. And wow. I endured a lot of 
physical violence, um, lots of emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and financial abuse. That's something a lot of people don't talk about, which we can cover, Jen. Uh, but the financial abuse, it was, um, it's very disheartening because you, you are fully reliant on that person. And that person is telling you and dictating to you what you can and cannot do with money. Yeah. You can or cannot work. In my case, he didn't want me working. So I would live on credit cards that I added his name to, which were in my name. Right. And, you know, he made a lot of money. However, he never really shared it. Shared it. Right. Yeah. So sure. I, I remember multiple times just digging through pockets, his, his, um, his pant pockets when I would clean up in the morning when he went to work and hoped that there was cash. And oftentimes there was, you know, he put out a lot of cash and that's how I, that's how I lived, which was. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking at this, you know, and I know that uh, you, you never married him, you know, and I find that really interesting too, that, you know, the, the, um, the dreamy kind of, you know, thinking that, you know, being in the cloud of, you know, puppy dogs and butterflies and all this stuff is that why did he ask you to marry him, mm. you know, in all of that too. And, and I think that, that you were, you know, that was a blind piece too for you is why isn't that happening? You know, if he truly loves me and he truly isn't going to do this again, he truly wants to take care of me. Why is that not happening? You know? Yeah. And he would tell me all the time, you know, I definitely want to marry you. You know, I love you. You're hanging on. Yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's a drag along kind of technique, you know, and it's amazing that, that, um, that happens. So, you know, your head, so your head went through the wall. So that was the first time that wasn't the last time, obviously. How, how bad did it get for you, Michelle? Was that the worst part or was it, was it much, much more? I mean, I, other than we don't want you to get explicit about any sexual, you know, things, but I mean, did, did you have any broken bones? Did you have bru bruised ribs? Did you ever call the police? Did someone ever say anything to you and try to convince you? Like, give us an idea of what happened in the turmoil of the four years after, you know, you went through the wall. No broken bones, uh, which was lovely. However, uh, my eye, I was, I was beat for four hours in October wow. and my eye was, um, so bad that for nine months afterwards, people thought I had jaundice because I had yellow, just yellow. Yeah. My, I was yeah. just yellow and, uh, people definitely came up to me. I remember, uh, he owned his own business and one of his employees said, Hey, Michelle, you're always in sunglasses and hats and long sleeve shirts. And I lied. And I'm like, Oh, I hike a lot. And I fall down a lot. I don't fall down. I was a gymnast. I right. can balance really well. Right. Um, but that's what I said. I lied. Mm -hmm. And the sexual abuse, you know, I, I remember when I first escaped, I didn't believe that I was raped. I didn't believe that it was sexual violence because he didn't penetrate me with his genital. Mm -hmm. um, however, it was penetration by him uh, that mm -hmm. was not allowed. And uh, right. yeah, I was beat uh, a couple times for over four hours. Uh, after wow. that first time in October where my face got so bad and people asked questions, uh, he learned not to leave marks on my face. Mm. So I had bruises on my body, grab marks, right. uh, my back. I remember why like he, oh, that, that event was awful. He pushed me into, um, into a wall and then uh, I crumbled on top of a, uh, a shoe rack and I was just battered right wow but clothes could cover it up 
So yeah. he didn't he didn't mess with my face again after that. He I had strangulation marks, uh, but turtlenecks can cover a lot of that. And uh, cops got involved multiple times. And between you and I, and I know this is going out, but I might as well be honest. Um, and Jen's a really good friend of mine, so this is why I'm getting so deep. But there was uh, there was one incident and it was New Year's where he had actually picked me up in the middle of public and slammed my head against a cement bench. Oh my and God. he got involved. And at that point I was talking to a, a woman who said, you know, just to be safe, carry a credit card on you at all times. Cause Paul didn't want me carrying my purse. So I always stuffed a credit card and ID in my uh, boot. So yeah. I call boots a lot and that happened and he ran away. And then the cops got involved and the cops wanted me to um, press charges against him. Right. And I wasn't yet ready to do so. But at that moment, I said yes. And then afterwards, I had, um, I, I mean, I screwed myself because eventually I did, did file charges against him. But I, I backed out. I backed out of pressing charges. I, um, I said, I recanted my statement. You know, I said, it didn't happen when it actually mm -hmm. did happen. Right. And, uh, years later, when I actually did sue him, um, not, uh, I, I sued him civilly, not criminally, because my statute of limitations had ran out. But when I sued him, they used that against me. And it, it, was, oh, wow. it was really hard to go around. Yeah. And uh, that, that's something that, that survivors and victims really need to be aware of is because we do recant, you know, yeah. Yeah. You think things are going to change. I mean, a typical abuse survivor will leave seven times before finally actually breaking free from that relationship. Um, so, and I did too, you know, I yeah. did as well. So when, when was the moment that you left? I mean, what was it that it not, not necessarily what happened, but you know, how did you get away? And when you got away, what'd you do? Where did you yeah. go? And yeah. then, you know, and then we'll go on the upside of all this. <laughs> yeah, there's an upside, right? Yeah, you can't there hear. is, there's an upside. You're here with us. There's yeah, an upside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had, uh, he had sent me back to LA to kind of clear my head. And then I was traveling back and forth and then things were changing. He was going to therapy per se, and uh, he didn't physically hurt me for a year so. I was planning on moving back in. We were gonna work things out again. And mm -hmm. um, I was at his house, uh, which was our house for a while. And I couldn't sleep. I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep and um, I didn't wanna wake him up. So I grabbed a pillow and went out to the living room and got on his computer. Cause I was gonna look up Facebook or look up you know, something to watch. And these messages started popping up. Messages from another woman. Ah. Wow. And that, that, that feeling the ball, like, I'm like, I don't want to keep reading, but I'm going to keep reading. And that's what I did. I kept reading and I, I learned that he was having an affair. And then I, um, I abruptly woke him up and screamed at him and he started screaming at me and telling me it was my fault. He first said he didn't do it. And then he did yeah. it. And, and then uh, he did it with four or five different women. Wow. And I lost my mind. I just yeah. subconsciously, I was like, you can beat me, emotionally manipulate me, financially control my life, sexually assault me, but you cheat on me. I, I just couldn't subconsciously, I couldn't take it. I drank a bottle of makers like a week straight. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I left, you know, I had to leave. He pushed yeah. me away. He was like, go get your head taken care of and then come back. And, and when I left, I, I, I realized just how bad things were. I started yeah. to write what happened to me, uh, document some of the things that I went through. And when I did that and read it back to myself is when I was like, holy crap, how, how is this me? Yeah. And and then the final breaking point was in November, I was contacted by another woman and her head went through the window in our bathroom. Oh, wow. That's when I was like, well, I can either continue allowing him to financially control my life. See that, that last year, my dad died. I had torn my ACL he wanted to continue to take care of me and it was just financial control. And, um, and I had that decision to make, I could continue allowing all that to happen, or I could take my power back and use my voice, help her and speak to the DA and tell them everything that happened. Yeah. That's what I chose. And so that's, that provides you with a big breakthrough, right? Cause you're releasing all of that. And in the course of that breakthrough, you realize you want to help not just her, but anybody that you possibly can. So that, so that leads us to unsilenced voices. Um, and you created unsilenced voices when was that in 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. So I actually wrote and performed a 60 solo play because of my theater background and performed that in 2016 um, at the White Fire Solo Fest and the Hollywood Fringe Festival in California. And that's Mm -hmm. when people started coming up to me. Um, I thought that that's all I was going to do. I wasn't thinking I was going to start a nonprofit by any means. And they told me their stories and I knew I had to do something. And I began to, to interview for other nonprofits. And I even volunteered at the Downtown Women's Center on Skid Row for about six months. And uh, God had a different plan, you know, yeah. he wanted me to start my own. And, and I remember flying to Oakland for an interview and I felt uh, his presence within the nonprofit, but I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. So I was like, okay, now what do I do? And <laughs> walk around the streets of San Francisco and have clam chowder and Chardonnay on Pier 39. Uh, this guy came up to me and we started talking and he said, you need to start a nonprofit. And I said, all right, I guess now's the time I listen. So yeah. I did and I did the paperwork. We were 501c3 within a month. We were, wow. approved, which was very rare. And I did everything myself. And, um, and then I met a Ghanaian doctor in LA and he said, go to my country and help my country. And I said, sure. I packed my bags and I went. And um, I had connections in Sierra Leone prior to that um, because I, I was VP for another nonprofit. That's another story. Um, but I, uh, I then we transitioned to Sierra Leone and then Rwanda and now the U.S., but I'm sure you're going to continue asking those questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, de- I'm definitely because I know you've been overseas quite a time. How many countries have you been to that you're now? Well, tell us exactly what you do when you go, because it's you're not just visiting these countries. You go, oh, look at all these people that need some help and we can give them money if they if they're willing or whatever. What exactly do you do when you go there to help? And I know you're also helping men, too. This isn't just a woman problem. This is a man and a woman problem. So. So tell us what you do and how many countries have you been to that you're now serving? Okay, so we're serving four countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been to multiple countries, but I've only been to the three that we're serving. I plan to visit Rwanda uh, this, this coming year in February, mm-hmm. so I can check on our programs there. We believe in collaboration. Mm-hmm. We believe that we shouldn't bring 
Western values to the people that we should just have them understand. So education, what is domestic violence? What's sexual abuse? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. uh, so we do a lot of sensitizations is what they're called. So in Sierra Leone in particular, we have a bulk of our programming going on. We actually sponsor roughly 25 girls that have been involved in sex work, sexual abuse, Use sex trade industry. Mm -hmm. uh, we put them through vocational training. So we pay for their schooling, we pay for their lunches, um, mm -hmm. and they learn a craft. So they quit yeah. selling their bodies. Um, if they were forced into doing it, they're able to escape that now. Um, we do three educational seminars <clears throat> every month in Sierra Leone. Um, plus, we work with the, the police officers, um, we do village education. We also uh, help villages with cassava farming and other different types of produce so that they have some type of means coming in because a lot of fighting actually starts uh, between a man and a wife in African countries because of money issues. Mm. I mean, it's normal in America as well, but right, right. I've seen the worst end of poverty over there. Um, yeah. And, and, um, you know, I mean, what's, what's scary about that is that, um, you know, they don't have the means like we do. Like, like when I was thinking, when I was asking you the question about what did you do, where did you go? I'm thinking, okay, you went to a women's shelter. Like in my County, we have laws, loud and abused women's shelter, you know, and people can come to the shelter and then there's clothes there for them and toothbrushes and, and all that stuff for them because they literally leave the house with nothing. Um, and that's a place where I've, you know, volunteered for years and, um, but they don't have those resources. So, you know, when, so is it as an inside job for them? Is that what this education is for is to provide them with that inside job to get to stand up? I mean, that's what you said, unsilenced voices, right. But to stand up for themselves and have the courage to do that. But what are the resources that they have available to them to, go beyond, okay, I want out. Now I'm strong enough to say I want out, but now I need help getting through that process. So I'm not back in is, again. A lot of it is financial. I mean, you yeah. have to think that the mass majority of people living in developing countries right. are entrepreneurs. They all have to create a business. They all have to yeah. do something in order to yeah. have an income coming in. Yeah. So that's why vocational training is so important. So we put them through that schooling. Uh, we help them get on their own two feet. So right. then they feel financially equipped to be able to leave their abuser. We also educate the husbands. I mean, I remember the first, mm. the first uh, sensitization that we did and I was there and it was, right. it was in Sierra Leone in particular, this country. And um, it was just the women the first time. And the women were like, where's the men? And I said, okay, let's bring the guys. And, <laughs> and we did. And it was right. like the big fight, right? Men were yelling, girls were yelling and oh it settled gosh. down. And what was so beautiful is the guys were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that we weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. It's yeah. education. You yeah. know, I remember living in Ghana. So we flew up to the Timene tribe in Ghana and, and the women came up to me and said, well, if my husband doesn't beat me, that means he doesn't love me. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, it's the, yeah. it's the culture, right? Yeah. And the yeah. kids are grow, growing up with this and it's just cyclical. Right. Right. So you come in and you educate and we yeah. work with other organizations. So in Ghana and in Rwanda, we have partner organizations in Ghana. We actually help to subsidize a shelter 
one of the only shelters in Accra, Ghana to help survivors of domestic violence. And um, almost all of them experience sexual abuse as well. Yeah. And, and then in America, you know, now we have gifted in uh, subsidiaries uh, over $32,000 in the past four months to survivors in the US um, that they can use for relocation costs, transportation, childcare, housing, um, whatever it is that they need. We have an application process online. Uh, we just, um, yeah, we're, we're gonna go through that again in August. Um, so by the time you guys are listening, we'll probably be on our next round yeah. of uh, applicants so people can go on and apply up to $2,500. And, um, and then we are planning on opening a facility. So like after you're talking about, Jen, I have noticed, so I moved from Hollywood to Florida. So Hollywood, California to Florida, not Hollywood, yeah. Florida, but I'm in Orlando and plan to move to Tampa. And while at being in Florida, I've had the opportunity to speak at a handful of different events. And a lot of the events are centered around homelessness, domestic yeah. violence issues, and CSEC, which is the commercial sexual exploitation. And it's human trafficking is what yeah. it is. Yeah. And we, uh, we are really feeling called to help in that sector in Florida. So our plan is to build a facility, uh, not just to help domestic violence survivors and, and sexual abuse survivors, but trafficking survivors yeah. and giving resources so we don't know if it's going to be a day center yet or an overnight shelter or like 30 days or um the temporary but i i know that i want to run it very similar to the day center um that downtown women's center has yeah uh, and then incorporate even more into that yeah oh that's beautiful i'm so glad and you know and it's so needed now because we know i mean you probably know the statistics more than i do i just i've heard them that you know, the, the um, human trafficking that we're seeing now is something like 30 times the number of slaves that were, that, that were in the world at any one given time. You know, when we think back how many, you know, millions of slaves there were, and now this is 30 times that it's, it's all around us. We don't, we know it's been in the news just the other day, you know, went to the bathroom at a game and she's gone and, you know, and, and here she was on a, on a website being, you know, sold off or whatever. And, I think it's, um, I just think it's great what you're doing. And I, you know, the thing is um, there's no end in sight, right? It's, this isn't, I'm going to build a couple of things. I'm going to have a couple of people. How many, um, because it's going to go on and on. How many people um, are you serving now? You were saying, you know, that you, you're uh, sponsoring 25 girls, you know, to help them get the trade and stuff. Do you find that the, the, uh, um, um, oh gosh, I'm having a hard time to, supply demand, the demand is higher than what you can accomplish, or are oh. you finding that, you know, you're a segment of some of these sponsorship or not sponsorships, but relationships and collaboratives that you're just a wing for them to so, help? Or so we are, we are serving way more than just the 25. Um, and then a lot of those 20 now advocate with us. So when I say we do sensitizations, we go into the markets and some of the girls are like, we want to go too. We want to talk to the sex workers as well to get them off the street. And we now have an office building in Sierra Leone and it started out with a a sex work sensitization every month. And it started off with like 20, 30, 40 girls. We're seeing like 100 plus girls that are coming in uh, because they want to learn. They want they want to figure out how to get free, break free. We have a great yeah. team over there. Um, but yes, I mean, it is. Unfortunately, 
the supply, um, the demand is more than the, the supply. Yeah. And it's uh, through financial contribution, we can grow, right? Yeah. And that's what we work towards in the US. We have a couple of fundraisers every year, but it is, it's expensive. It's yeah. interesting, Jen, I'm going to tell you a brief story because you said that because the demand is so high, right, that it, it must, it's hard. Right, it to turn people away or yeah. Well, how do I turn people away? And mm -hmm. I was uh, on a mission trip. This was the year before I had started on Silenced Voices. And I went with an organization called Back to Back to Hyderabad, India. And when I was in India, I, um, women are treated worse than cattle. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty bad. You know, cows are, are, um, sacred. yeah, they're yeah. sacred. Yeah. And, uh, I remember we went to an orphanage um, that was also a school for young Hindu girls and um, and it was right next to the, the garbage pile. So it was in the slums and I just, I remember the smell, the, the rotting meat and it was it was just horrible. I would cover my, my nose with my, my head thing and um, going in there, we had to rush out of there because we heard that there were people coming to attack Americans. Us oh my gosh. Help. So we mm -hmm. literally ran out of there and got on our bus. And um, this bus was shared with other people. And uh, there's this Indian man that came on the bus and I was sitting in the front seat and he stood there and expected me to move and then yelled at me to move. And our team was like, Michelle, get up. And I did. And I went to the back and I said, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I'm so frustrated, so annoyed. Um, there are so many people on this planet. I mean, you were talking statistics, Jen, yeah. $150 billion industry is human trafficking. 99 billion of that is just sex trafficking. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Pre-COVID statistics were 18 million kids worldwide and 200,000 within the U.S. being trafficked within our yeah. border. Yeah. That's pre-COVID stats. Right. It's exponentially higher. Mm -hmm. So I, I told, I told this girl this and, um, and she, she looked at me and she said something that I, I still remember, I still talk about, I still think about to this day, which keeps me going, is that it is not up to us to finish the project. Mm -hmm. It is up to us to start it. Yeah. Up to God to finish it. Yeah. We yeah. just have one foot and keep putting it in front of the other. Yeah. And that's why I was saying, you know, it's, it's just, it will continue to go on because there's going to be a need, you know, consistently. Um, with what's happening. Okay. So now you're going to Rwanda in uh, 2023. What, what is your focus there? What's your target and goal there? What are you doing there? Cause I know that's the first time you're heading there. It is. So I'm actually taking a mission trip to Sierra Leone. I am going to be able to bring about four people with me mm -hmm. and that's going to be roughly the end of February. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking people to Rwanda yet because I don't know how safe it is. Ah, so okay. I will go and meet our team mm -hmm. in Rwanda. So we have two partner organizations. I believe they're on different parts of Rwanda. Um, I know that they're not right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So I will travel to each one. And we do uh, a lot of trainings there, vocational trainings for the women, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's baskets and weave making, um, there's uh, making uh, pottery, things like that, different things that we teach these women so they can escape abuse. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gonna go and check on those projects. We also do education. We help out young kids as well, uh, kids of survivors of domestic violence with school materials, um, 
young, young kids too. So yeah. I'm gonna visit the school over there. Just see what our money, what our influence, what our partnership is doing. Um, and then we will sit down and see what needs to be done. In Sierra Leone, we have a, like a full list of what we're doing with our team over there. Um, we have been over there multiple times, so it's a lot safer. But in Rwanda, it's all about seeing with my own eyes what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah what needs to be done, what work has to be done. Um, okay, so, and you have some very famous, so as we, we're getting closer to our time that we're finished, but when you are, when you are, uh, or you have some very high level celebrities who are, really in support of your organization. Tell us a little bit about how, maybe just one or two, but you know, it's not a name dropping thing, but just more about, you know, where their interest lies, what they're uh, contributing, how they're contributing to you, you know, where, where uh, do these relationships stand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll just do one name drop. Uh, Lee Steinberg is, yeah. is a big lovely. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And yeah. Uh, I actually met Lee because I, uh, I, I do a lot of public speaking, like Jen said in the beginning, I offer courses and, and uh, different boot camps. I've got a boot camp coming up the end of October in Clearwater, Florida, to help people turn their stories into mission, ministry, movement, whatever it is that. Uh, yeah, your mess becomes your message. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, so I met Lee through my mentor, Bill Walsh, and Bill has taught yeah. me to put all this together and and uh i remember sitting at a table with lee steinberg and i was like oh my gosh this is kind of cool but <laughs> let's I tell everybody who lee is just so, so they who, who they know because you and i both know him but i don't know that everybody does <laughs> so lee steinberg is the real life jerry Maguire. Yep. he is patrick mahomes agent so if you're a football fan at all kansas yeah. city chiefs quarterback is patrick mahomes he's yeah. his agent yeah. So um, among big, a gazillion others that he's yeah. had too. Yeah, right. very, very, very yeah. But uh, I had my books, but I love him. I wish I had one to show, but I don't. And I had my books sitting next to me and he literally reached over and grabbed my book and started reading it in front of me. Was this in Chicago just recently? No, no, was no. It before no. that? Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I missed him in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That was about a year ago. And, yeah. and uh, um, I was like, wow, okay. He's reading my book. And then he started turning the page. Like he kept reading <laughs> and I was like, would you like it? He's like, yeah, I'm going to read it on the plane. And, and uh, we became friends. And he told me that he, he created a campaign a couple of years ago called real men don't hit women ah. and sports figures mm -hmm. yes. to encourage the end of domestic violence mm -hmm. because domestic violence is a huge issue and in every realm but of course in sports and so uh he thinks that athletes can be utilized in good ways right yeah. i believe that as well so yeah. he immediately was like well what do you need for help so last july he was involved in our fundraiser where we were able to auction off lee steinberg super bowl party tickets and raise close to a hundred thousand dollars which was amazing that's mm -hmm. been able to help uh, especially in the U.S. realm, we're, we're doing a five-city tour in the U.S., which Jen's actually going to be speaking at October 1st in New Jersey mm -hmm. um, in a domestic violence awareness tour. And um, uh, Lee, he's just, he's humble. He's amazing. He wants to be involved. So he's involved in our fundraiser now. He'll be involved for years to come, I believe. And we've got other other celebrities that I can't name drop yet, but uh, some of which you'll know. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, very well, which is great, who uh, who are going to be involved in our next fundraising events. And 
So we're growing. We're growing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the thing about Lee is that, you know, this isn't his first rodeo like this, you know, men, real men don't hit women. This isn't the first part of it. This is the, you know, the whole manifesto that he created. That's part of the movie. You know, the manifesto is is about giving back you know, the community involvement and, and, uh, you know, the nonprofit involvement, all, all of that for, uh, athletes. And he doesn't take on an athlete. That's not willing to do that. If they're just wanting money. Nope. Next, next person that, you know, brings on. And he had Joel Montana. I mean, there's just so many great people that were his, um, that he was their scout or he was their, their agent or whatever, but, you know, so this is something I know that's near and dear to his heart. I love that. Okay. So you mentioned the event. So you have across the country, you're doing, um, domestic abuse awareness, um, two, one day awareness workshops. Can you elaborate on it? So that those, and we'll have links to all this so that everyone can, you know, come to them, they can attend and tell us a little bit about what the experience will be. Yeah, so uh, we have embarked on a domestic violence awareness tour where we are focusing on commitment, collaboration, and community. So we invite community members to come. We invite other organizations to partner with us and come and speak and share about what they do. And we provide the commitment. So survivors that come out can apply for assistance, can can get assistance and resources from organizations within that city. Uh, I really believe in collaboration because Going, if we want to go far, we go alone. If we want to conquer the world, we go together, right? And yeah. so we began <laughs> our awareness tour in Dallas, and that was in March. And then we went to Las Vegas and partnered with a handful of really great organizations in Las Vegas and provided this awareness event where we um, were able to communicate and share the resources, break bread together. It's a, that's a big thing. We uh, eat together, right? We provide lunch. This is a free event. Um, people come to on silence voices pays for this. Uh, we have, um, LA's event coming up, uh, very soon. Um, and then, and then we've got New Jersey, which is October 1st and Tampa Bay, which is November 13th. And you come, it's literally 10, 10 30, um, until about three, three 30 eat lunch, but it's a lot of education. Uh, in, in LA, we have Senator Rubio that's going to be speaking, um, in Las Vegas, we were able to be interviewed on KLAS before the event. So it's all about creating this buzz, um, not just about the abuse, but about the hope. Yeah. How we can go from survivor to thriver. So it's called a blanket of hope from survivor to thriver. And it really is all about how we can encourage people to break out of these toxic relationships. I mean, we're talking in the US, one in four women and one in seven to 11 men, depending on the statistic that you read, experience domestic violence. Yeah. And worldwide, it's one in three women. Yeah. So, so that's a large chunk of our population. Oh right? yeah. Any room that you're in, you can imagine you know, a room of 10 people that there's three people that are going through something, you know, that, that are going through. And I know this includes bullying. It includes, there's just so many things that it does. What can my listeners do to help you? You know, it's, it's one thing, you know, maybe they have a corporation and they say, Hey, we want to get involved. We want to contact you and we want to get involved. Maybe they know someone who, who is experiencing domestic abuse of some sort and they want to have them come to this event, right? Or these are, these are all things that you, you're asking people to do because you don't necessarily want it just to be uh, people that are, that aren't in domestic 
abuse relationships or whatever, talking about it, you know, talking perhaps about their experience of it in the past, but, but also for people to experience this hope side, the hope side of this. Yeah. Because we, we want to know, I mean, if you run an organization, if you run a business or a corporation, uh, more than likely a handful of, of your, of your employees experience abuse mm-hmm. and you want to be able to handle that delicately, but also be able to recognize deal with that, right? Recognize it. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so we are looking for organizations to get involved. So to partner with us, so different organizations that deal with abuse issues. So domestic violence, sexual abuse, human trafficking, rape crisis, things like that. We'd love to partner with you. If you're a business, uh, we would love to, um, come in and do an education seminar for you. I do a lot of speaking. I speak at schools. I speak um, uh, on an organization level. I just spoke at another organization in Riverside talking about the commercial sexual exploitation of children and what's happening in the LA area. Um, So I'd love to do that. We we would love to educate. Uh, We also need financial. You know, we are a 501c3. Yeah. So if you're a business and you need a tax write-off, please consider donating to us. We're we're ran by a survivor. This is never going to stop. Unsilenced Voices is is my legacy, but then it's a legacy where I can then give it to the people who are going to be running it soon and uh, very excited about the growth that we're having, but we can only serve so much, so many, the amount that we have, and we definitely want to grow even more. I mean, we are small, but we're mighty. We've been able to work on a very small budget the past couple of years. And now we are like, okay, let's grow. We're ready to grow. We're ready to put roots in the ground in the United States. So we need that financial contribution. Um, if you know somebody who's experiencing abuse, if you go to unsilencedvoices.org, again, it's unsilencedvoices.org, there's resource section. So it's all about the different resources in different states that you may be living in, uh, different, different resources around the globe. There is a lot fewer resources globally than there are nationally. Yeah. Um, and then you can reach out and contact us. You can also go on there and, and apply for the survivor assistance grant that we have. Um, and, and then we do, you know, we're looking at that every three to four months. Uh, so it's like three to four times a year that we'll be able to provide those grants as long as keeps coming in. So that's the biggest thing. And we can also make donations there. Yeah, of course. Just flat out make donations. (laughs) I just want to make sure. No currency as well. So I mean, oh, there you go. There you go. Cash, PayPal, however, we take all kinds of money guys. So, uh, Anything that you want to donate, we don't have a facility yet, so try not to give us uh, clothing and, and food and whatnot, but money, anything uh, currency related, we'll definitely yeah. utilize nice. that. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. Okay, Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing all the wonderful work that you're doing. I'm so excited and delighted that I know you and get to know you better even every single time we talk. You know, we talked in the car while we were driving someplace and I got some of your story, but I didn't get everything. I held back so hard because I'm always so curious, but I was like, Oh, I'm going to wait until the podcast. Um, because it's just more vulnerable. Cause I just don't know everything. Um, but I just love that. But now is there anything you would like to leave with us? Do you have a quote, do you have a favorite quote that you live by or mantra that you live by that you'd yeah. like to share with us? Yeah. Well, there's two things first, 
if you just want to stay in touch with unsilenced voices with with me with things coming up um we send out uh, a text every month mm -hmm. about what's happening if you want to text uv as an unsilenced voices uv to 26786 again it's uv the letters to 26786 you'll um be able to get monthly updates um you'll hear about courses classes things everything that's going on in america um and then my quote if you've ever seen the movie finding nemo i live that's by this quote <laughs> i know what you're gonna say i just know we'll do it together i won't sing it but i'll just do it with you okay just keep swimming just keep swimming just keep right just keep swimming just just put one foot in front of the other and just keep going it's it's my favorite quote of all and i use it all the time yeah, I love it. I actually use it in a bunch of stuff I do too. That's why I know this whole thing. Um, I absolutely love that. And uh, we will have your link. We will have your uh, text in our show notes and everything so that everyone can get that. And of course, on the website, we can also find out the dates that you're having your awareness um, mm -hmm. tour. Okay. Make sure everyone can go there. And uh, again, thank you so much for what you're doing. It's very heartfelt. Um, it's a lot of work. I know we all don't appreciate exactly how much work you're putting in, but it means the world to all the people that you're touching. And I love watching you grow and seeing this get bigger and bigger as the years go on. Cause we've known each other for a couple of years now. So starting to grow, I'm seeing it happen. Yes, it's I great. love it. So much done. Love it. Happy. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everyone else, thank you so much for joining us. Please take a minute and scroll down to the bottom of your phone and give us a great five-star rating. And write us a great comment, a, re a great review about what you loved about what Michelle said and how it touched you or how it's impacted you um, or this entire podcast, how it impacts you. We love getting those reviews and reading them. So we thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen into Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. And this gal has definitely broken through glass ceilings. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.